0: Thursday daily delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day and an excellent show coming up. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist, will join me here in just a few minutes to talk about his excellent story on uh, Lawrence Maroney and Marion Barber III. Uh, two decades ago, it became synonymous with go for football. They were so good, so dominant. Did something that not, that had not been done. In more than 100 years of college football history, the entirety of college football history—it's a story, though, of you know, football, of tragedy, of hope, of redemption—all of those things. That story you can find on starttobean.com Thursday morning and in your print edition of the Sunday paper. Chip and I will talk about that story here in just a few minutes. Plenty of other stuff to get to as well on today's show. Um, The power of creed, Josh Dobbs and the power of creed. We'll get to that at the end of the show. Um, Got some wild thoughts. Two trades yesterday. What a weird time for trades. But uh, I think the Wild definitely seeing a need to address their blue line, maybe go a little bit older, a little bit grittier instead of the offensive-minded Kalen Addison. So we'll get to that in a bit. A um, couple thoughts on the debut of the Gopher women's basketball team and the Don plitza era. They looked awfully good in winning by 35 points on Wednesday night. First, though, what did I miss? Let's get to the Wolves at the start here, because this homestand for the Timberwolves, I don't know if I've seen a better homestand, and I don't know if things could have gone better for them. I don't think things could go- could be going better for them in general, but specifically at home. They're 5-0 At Target Center now this season, which means, yes, they're 0-2 on the road. So something to prove there now as they go on the road for a whole bunch of games against San Antonio, Golden State, Phoenix. Those will be challenges coming up. But what's in the rearview mirror is an excellent start at Target Center. No way to uh, describe it as anything else. Like I said, 5-0 at Target Center four of those wins by at least 16 points, two of those wins over teams that were previously undefeated Denver and Boston and now we're talking about five straight sellouts to start the year at home as well they had 23 sellouts last season which is almost half their home games but starting out this year with uh with a huge uh you know a huge jump in in both uh, attendance success this is I think the second time. Um, the first time in over 30 years that they've sold out their first five home games. You know, first time in over 20 years that they've won their first five home games. Like They are doing things that they have not done for a very long time. Their defense still number one in the NBA. A lot of positive things for the Wolves. And One thing that I specifically need to mention because we talk a lot of negative things about TV with the Wolves, TV with the Twins, TV with the wild stuff about Bally Sports North. This information coming from the Timberwolves going into last night's game, their TV ratings on Bally Sports North were up 65% over last season. Now, we talk a lot about people having a hard time finding the game sometimes, especially if they're streaming or trying to do the app. People are finding them, obviously, um, through probably more direct means, through the, the more traditional means of cable and satellite and people are watching 65% increase in TV ratings ba- versus last season up 75% over the last 2 years again these are numbers coming from the wolves um based on you know based on that you have to you have to conclude that people are into this team they're watching on TV they're watching um, they're watching in the stands. Everything seems to be clicking for the Wolves in that regard. And everything was really going right in that 122-101 to 101 win over the Pelicans. Now, the Pelicans didn't have a lot of their very good players. No Zion Williamson, no um, no CJ McCollum. That right there tells you that they were going to be in for it. But as Chris Hine pointed out in his game story, like these are the kinds of games that the Wolves have had inexplicable lapses in in past years, right? That they would have come into this kind of flying high already winning three you know three of their their first three home games uh, on this home stand a chance to complete it at 4 and 0 against an undermanned team they might have coasted looked past it whatever it was did not do that at all on Wednesday took care of business from start to finish they were up like almost i think they were up like 30 in the uh, <clears throat> in the third quarter and just kind of coasted to the finish line. Never got, never really got serious, never really got close in there. Anthony Edwards, excellent again. Carl Anthony Towns, very good in this game. A good bounce back game for him after he struggled against Boston. Seeing some shots go in from three point range is a big deal for Towns. So that maybe gets him going, sees how he can fit into this offense instead of. You know feeling like he 's an odd man out, things like that, so that was big. Rudy Gobert continues to ascend like everything seemed to be working in this game, and again, an underman team, but you could treat it as a one off if it wasn't that if it wasn't so consistent with what we've seen. Now, the town stuff was new this year. You know, he was four of five from three point range. Conley was four of five from three point range. They both had it going. So town's finish is very efficient. Nine of 12, 23 points. He's a plus 12 in the game. He sees some good things happen for him. Um, so. Lots of good things happening for the Wolves in this game. Lots of good things happening on this homestand. We'll be interested to see if they can bring this on the road. This is the daunting, daunting road trip with, you know, like I said, San Antonio, two against Golden State, Phoenix, and then I think against New Orleans again. So five straight road games. They've been great at home this year. Can they bring that on the road? That'll be the question, but there is no question right now. The home, the home energy, the home crowd, the home play has been outstanding to start the year, and that is fueling a very good start for the Wolves. Speaking of good starts and feeling good at home, Gopher women's basketball team wins by 35 points over Long Island in Don Plitzewite's first game as Gophers women's basketball coach. Mara Braun has 25 points. Lots to like in this game. You can see the talent. You can see how it's being deployed. You can see the possibilities. Still too many turnovers, things like that. Still not a great opponent. We'll know more about that as the year goes on. But A good encouraging start. You can see the talent. You can see what they're trying to build here. You can see how the influence of Plitza White could help this team be able to reach its full potential. And that's really all they can ask for. So a great debut. Let's see where it takes them from here. They'll have much tougher games on the schedule, including like we've talked about, UConn in 10 days. But for right now, they have to be happy with that start. And two wild trades on uh, on Wednesday, both of them involving defenseman Kalen Addison, shipped to San Jose. Um, the Wild get a fifth-round pick and minor leaguer Adam Raska for Addison. Um, and the Wild also trading a seventh-rounder to the Tampa Bay Lightning for veteran defenseman Zach Bogosian. Bogosian, 33 years old, probably is going to play tonight against the Rangers. This quote from Wild president of hockey operations GM Bill Guerin Tells you everything you need to know about why they made this move. Quoting from Sarah McClellan's story, we've been giving up way too many chances. We need to shift our way of thinking a bit and protect our goaltenders. We have good goaltending, but goaltending doesn't matter if you just hang them out to dry. The last couple of games, we've been a lot better at that, and I think Zach will bring some improvement in that area. Not surprising, I would imagine, um, given the way the way the wild started giving up a lot of chances it's been i detailed this last week it's been kind of a mix you know, when they were on that bad that bad stretch of four losses in a row everything was going poorly the goaltending wasn't good but neither was the defending they were having you know more expected goals than a year ago and giving up more actual goals so you could sh- you could share the blame but if you can you can have better, you know. They're not going to wholesale change your your goaltending right now. You've got your two guys right now, unless you're going to bring up Jasper Wallstead at some point. But it's 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 Flurry and Gustafson and net right now, and that was a good tandem last season. The only thing you can fix right now is the guys in front of them, and they apparently have made a move to do that by bringing in the veteran Bogosian. I'll be interested to see what he does in that role, and you know, giving up on Addison, who was you know a guy who they were counting on. I think a guy who they thought could be. A mainstay on the blue line, an offensive-minded defenseman, but someone who just never really thrived in a five-on-five five situation. He just wasn't wasn't quite what they needed on this team. You know, Garen said Kalen's a good player, but he's got 100 games in the league now, and we felt we know what he is for us. And that's not to say that he's a finished product, but what we need right now is something different. So. There you go on that. While making a move, trying to shore up their defense. They've gotten better in that area, like he said, lately. Getting Jared Spurgeon back at some point will certainly help that as well. But maybe getting a little bit more rugged, a little bit more veteran in that regard. We'll see how much that helps, not just the overall team, but the goaltending behind them. Grand Casino would like to take a
1: moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin.
0: Let's talk right now with Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins, a frequent guest on this show, but kind of a special appearance today because Chip has... Authored another one of his large masterpieces. This one on Marion Barber and uh, Lawrence Maroney, Marion Barber the third, dynamic running back duo of two decades ago now. Chip, um, and just kind of their relationship. You can read that story online as of Thursday morning, or you can get the full effect too in Sunday's newspaper.
1: Um, Chip, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks for having me on. To talk about this. What
0: uh how did you know how did we get going on this idea of of you know kind of figuring out where these guys are at in in, in this kind of this relationship and obviously the the tragedy that's come along with it.
1: Yeah, obviously with with uh, Marion dying last year um last summer of what was ruled a heat stroke in his uh apartment in Dallas. Um he was I didn't know this, but, um, he was training to to do some boxing and he liked to train in the heat. And, uh, he had his, um, his apartment thermostat cranked up to over 90 and I think maybe creating a sauna effect. Uh, and it, uh, tragically, he, he, uh, suffered a, uh, a heat stroke and died. Um, you know, he's been on my mind, um, and I've kept up a little bit. I uh, kept in touch a little bit with Lawrence Maroney over the years. Um, obviously, I covered those two. My first year as the Gophers beat writer for the paper was 2003, the first year that they came together. And, and with this being 20 years since they joined forces, the anniversary, <clears throat> I uh, you know, I approached uh, both Lawrence and then also Don Barber, who is uh, Marion's younger brother. And I know Don well, he played for the Gophers too and played in the NFL. So I asked him if they'd be willing to share their stories and it, it the kind of the Genesis was um I mean we had known that that Marion had you know a, a couple of arrests years ago and um and talking to people after he died we know that you know there are some times where he kind of stepped away and had some detachment from from people so uh Lawrence I saw on social media that he had he had uh had a uh his foundation had a mental health day um event there in his hometown at his high school in st louis and had different vendors and and organizations come and so i, I texted him i said hey was that in any way you know related to marion because he, he had spoken at the service for marion yeah last summer and said he wished he could have done more that was part of his speech um that day and so i i texted him i said you know was, was that is this new push um that you're doing an initiative to raise awareness for mental health. Is that related to Mary? And he said, No. He wrote back, He said, No, it's, it's about me. And so I called him and he said, You know, Chip, I really struggled um, there for a number of years with anxiety and depression. I didn't know it. And I, you know, I really went through a dark time in my life. And so I asked him, I said, Would you be willing to share that publicly if we did a story? And he said, Yes, as long as, you know, the, the Barber family, was fine with it. And I had lunch with Dom and we talked about it. And so that, that, that started the, um, that started the wills and motions. And I went down and spent um, uh, about eight hours in St. Louis at with uh, Lawrence at his house and, um, and then spent some time with Dom too. And so that, you know, we just examined really, I, like I told him, I said, I, you know, they, as a tandem, I think, made people care about go for football again. Remember they went through those, those really lean years for decades and more years, really. And when they came together, they had this just, um, not only they were like really, really talented individually, but there's something about them together that they're forever tied, right? You can't think of one without the other because of the way
0: there's a synergy there right between. Yeah.
1: Because of, because of, um, they were contrasting personalities, contrasting yeah. styles of play. But as, as Lawrence said, you know, people called them Barberoni because they yeah, were just right. – they were so connected. And, you know, we, we all laugh about the famous moped ride across campus that May right. saw them. Um, <laughs> right. And so it. So I wanted to say, you know, bring light to – because, I mean, this was 20 years ago. So there's a generation of fans that don't know about Maroney Barber, right? So I wanted to reintroduce him. like, hey, this – and the other thing is, Mike, I don't know if it gets enough attention, but they were – college football at that time was 135 years old. 1869 was the first game at Rockers. From then until 2004, there had never been a ran, running back tandem that each guy rushed for a 1,000 yards in the season in back-to-back years. Yeah. And they did something that's never had never been done in the history of college football. I mean, that that's a mouthful. And so um, I wanted to revisit that, but then also talk about what happened when, when football did end Both of them had arrests. Both of them um, had some detachment from friends and society. Both of them had, um, you know, mental health challenges. Um, They had lost community touch with each other, not purposely or not because they hadn't fallen out or anything. You know, it's like so many of us in life, you just kind of lose touch with high school friends. And it happened to them. and, And so Lawrence has a lot of, regret now that that they had that gap in time or they didn't really communicate. And um, he just really wishes he'd get that time back and and just have people. There's a pride when you talk to him and what him and Barber represented, what they accomplished. And he hopes people remembers them that way.
0: It would be inappropriate, reckless, however you want to say it to like speculate, say why, this happened to them i mean there's also been all sorts of links with football concussions things like that like we don't know exactly what happened to either one of these guys that put them down this path but what seems clear from your story is that they had a hard time when football ended they didn't quite know what to do with themselves is that did you find that to be the case with both of them and just kind of like they football was such a big part of their identity and when that was gone they didn't quite know what to do
1: a hundred percent. And Lawrence talked about it. He, he said, he felt like he lived, he said he lo- he felt he lost his identity and his, the end of his career coincided with just a, a awful sort of circumstances. He had an arrest that he wound up uh, for marijuana charges, uh, wound up being found not guilty, but not until eight months had lagged when he's a free agent during the NFL lockout. I mean, just the perfect storm and terrible. And so his, his football career was done. Um, Marion uh, and and listening to Dom had a lot of ideas, but having them come to fruition and, and closing the gap between concept and is these dreams that he had in reality, it just couldn't quite, you know, match them up. And so he, he really struggled with kind of what's next and where he could, um, you know, make an impact in, in, on society and in life. And so they both really struggle with that. Um, Lawrence lost his money, uh, really went through a, a tough spell. And um, it wasn't until 2018 uh, when he was starting to get some disability um, uh, pay, payouts from the NFL, including a the substantial concussion settlement Right, that he was able to get back on his feet and he's doing better now. He's, um, he met a, a woman who, uh, is a realtor, Briante Wells, who's rescued him basically. Um, hmm. and th- they have a family together now and they're a, a business and they do rental properties and they buy and flip houses and yeah. re- refinance. I mean, just, uh, he's really thrown his passion into that. And so, but yeah, they, they both went through kind of this, wilderness period where they weren't they were lost without football and weren't sure what the next phase of their life looked like without it
0: they didn't talk for like 5 years right not because they were like yeah. mad at each other like like you said like this just kind of happens with you know you go to you you have a period of your life where something's kind of intense and you're like these are the people that I'm with for all this time. Then your life changes, you go somewhere else and you maybe don't talk to them. But that, that was surprising to me just because of how linked they were that like five years passes and they don't talk.
1: Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it, in listening to Lawrence talk about it, <clears throat> he said, he just, there's a lot of regret that he didn't go see to Dallas to see Lawrence or Marion or Marion didn't come up to see him or they didn't work out in the off seasons that, you know, they both were kind of struggling and trying to figure out what's going on next and, and just, just lost communication. And it, like I said, it wasn't, you know, when they did reconnect in a phone call, Lauren said it was like old times we were talking about stuff that only us two would know about like college stuff and, and football. And so um, I'm glad he got that, that they were able to reconnect. Um, But there is a sense of, he lost valuable time. And I think it probably for Maroni because, uh, Marion was 38 when he passed, and and Lawrence is 38 now. And yeah. so um, it's just, um, I think there's sadness and regret that um, a guy that he truly loved and had such a just uh, intertwined relationship with that they just had this gap in time where they didn't communicate, I think, that really uh, bugs him.
0: It just feels impossible that they're – you know, they were there that young. Like I'm like a decade older than them almost. (laughs) And It's like, but we've known about these guys for so long. And you're right. Like 2003, like that, you know, the thing that people sometimes ultimately remember about that team is the Michigan game, the missed opportunity. Like even though they went 10 and three that year, like what could have been if they had been able to do a little bit more, could that have been a Rose Bowl team, things like that, but that was a great team. Like that was, these guys were like part of, Probably the best Gopher team that I've seen. Like I know that they went eleven and two in two thousand nineteen, but that that two thousand three team, shift, that was something else. Yeah.
1: Well, you you look at their offensive line. You had an Outland Trophy winner uh, center. Your your left guard was an All American. Matt Spate was a Mackey Award winner. Uh, now we're talking about all these offensive guys. On the defensive side, they didn't have the same type of talent, but that was a very very ta- <clears throat> talented team. And and just those two, it was them as a combination was special because, you know, Maroney was so powerful and, or, um, uh, was so powerful and Lawrence had that sprinter speed. And I think more than anything is the way that they interacted. There was no jealousy. There was no, uh, how many you know, they didn't count right. carries. They didn't care who started. They didn't carry uh, care who got the most yards. Although they did have kind of a friendly bet. a funny story that, right. That, was funny, um, yeah. that, that Lawrence told me, but, um, they genuinely rooted for each other and wanted the best for each other. And, and they made you, they made go for football relevant, I think because of what they were doing. People talked about them nationally and um, because the way they ran the ball, they had, you know, the struggles with the the defense and some of the collapses and, um, and that's part of it too. But um, just as a, as a tandem, When you look at their stats compared to some other great running back tandems in modern college football history, I mean, they're right there, if not better than all of them. How did they,
0: you know, aside from they play the same position, how did they become such good friends so tight that, you know, they become become inseparable off the field too? Because you write about it, and it's true. Like, they could not have been... More different personality-wise, or even style-wise.
1: Yeah, it's funny, but Lawrence. I asked Lawrence the first time he met Lawrence or uh, Marion, and was on his recruiting visit, and yeah, they they didn't even talk. They just kind of snarled at each other. They they gave each other like uh, you know mean looks, and um, I think it was a mutual respect for how good each other and how talented the other one was. Um, it just worked, like. Marion was at least around us. Now, when you talk to Marion's family and his close friends, guys that are on team that he were close with, because he was two years older than Lawrence, so it's not like they hung around with each other nonstop. They had each had their own group of friends that they came in with their recruiting classes. But um, Marion was far more outgoing and personable and goofy around those guys than he was with Pub. He had a very uh, shy. Guarded, um, yeah. guard, very guarded personality. I remember I can't tell you how many times Mike I would interview him. If I wanted to interview one, they both came out. They like to be interviewed <laughs> together. Yeah. Lawrence would do all the talking, which Marion liked. Um, Marion just didn't he didn't uh care much for doing interviews. Um, it just wasn't something he was interested in. He didn't like to do. Obviously, when you're you know one of the top players and you have this special thing going on with the running you need to but uh lawrence did a lot of the talking um and so it, it just worked I, I don't know why it worked uh, sometimes you just click but um they they hit it off and i but i think it started from just an absolute mutual respect for what each other represented
0: When marion was definitely the introvert in that bunch in that group and he like you wrote about like you know when after unfortunately after his death his family finds these journals that he's kept like projects that he's trying to get off the ground like ideas like big ideas big kind of concepts that maybe you don't even know about because he doesn't talk about these things
1: yeah there was yeah sorry to interrupt you yeah there uh so marion took dom to um brazil one off season and they marion had a a trainer that uh, was from there and so they brought him down there and there was a They called it a village, but it it sounded much like we would say IMG Academy in in, uh, Orlando where they had kids live there and they went to school there and they had um, sports there. And Marion wanted to to build one of those academy complex type things in uh, inner city Dallas. Um, He wanted to help underprivileged kids. He wanted to give them the best uh, opportunity to succeed, whether it's academically in school, sports training, all that. And he, I mean, he had, when they cleaned, cleaned out his condo, uh Dom, they found these things and it was, it was sheets and notebooks of ideas and, and what it would look like. And um, it just, he was just unable to have that vision come, you know, become a reality. And, and that's the sad part because Dom said he had so much to offer and that he wanted to, but it was just, getting those things to the finish line and making them a reality was, was a struggle. A couple
0: more things for you, Chip. Uh, Really, everybody go read the story, please. This is only kind of getting to the tip of the iceberg and a lot of what's in there, but appreciating this conversation, you know, you, you you leave it on kind of a, a hopeful note and especially the idea of Maroney, maybe becoming a little bit more involved with the gopher program or something like that. Where, where do you think, where does that go? Or what does that potentially look like? Has he not really been around the team or involved with any of these kind of alumni things since, since he left, you know, 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, he was up. I can't remember the occasion. It was probably three, four years ago where they recognized. I remember he was on the field and got just a huge ovation because he is still a fan favorite. He tries to come as much as he can. You know, he's a father and, um, you know, he lives in St. Louis, so he's got his life there. Um, But he's going to come up. uh, he, He made a promise to himself that, Uh, On the anniversary of Marion's birthday every year is June uh, 10th. I believe he he wants to come visit his grave site um, just to be with him and connect with him and kind of feel that their connection and presence again. Um, But he's he's doing better. He's he's really, uh, along with Briante, uh, passionate about bringing awareness to mental health and helping athletes, uh, particularly high school and younger athletes. Um, he, you know, he suffered in silence for a number of years and didn't really understand it, either couldn't or wouldn't admit that he needed help. And now he's, uh, he's become a very, uh, strong advocate for that. And so he's with his foundation, he's trying to really raise, raise awareness for, for mental health. So it's good to see him, uh, making a comeback in life because as you said, that's not how he wanted to live. And he has hope again, and he feels like he's on the right path,
0: yeah, and it's just such a contrast too it's you, know, you get the both of them and you know obviously unfortunately, Marion doesn't get that chance and he just I'm sure that's what yeah. eats at Lawrence a little bit it's like you know he he wishes that Marion could have that second chance that he's getting,
1: yeah, and that's what he said um he just has his vision he's like he wishes him and Marion could walk out like you know how they invite yeah former players back that they could walk out together out of that tunnel one more time and hear the ovation together and for people to really express the love or what, you know, those two meant for yeah. Gopher football, but also just to be with his guy again. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking because I, I could, you could see it. I mean, I, I have, I've interviewed and talked to Lawrence, I don't know how many times over the years, but um, being with him down there in his, in his hometown, in his house and his mom's house, and hearing him talk about that, you can tell it really, He's affected by it.
0: Yeah. Well, wouldn't expect anything else. Chip, great story as always. Go read it um, on be dot com Thursday morning and in the print section on Sunday. It's a big one, but worth every bit of your time. Doesn't read like whatever it is four thousand words, whatever it is. Doesn't read like it, right? It's a. It's a that's what I we tell not. our editors. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's a fast read, and I think uh, Gopher fans will. um appreciate hearing from those guys you oh, know, yeah. as tragic as it is that mary is no longer here i hope the story also maybe introduces them to uh you know a new wave of gopher fans that maybe didn't know him or were too yeah. young to really appreciate him just how productive and how uniquely special yeah those those two as a tandem were
0: absolutely chip great work again appreciate it we'll talk to you soon all right brother thanks man Many thanks to Chip, as always, for joining this podcast and also for writing that story, telling that story about Lawrence Maroney, Mary and Barbara Third, their friendship, their life after football, and what, you know... What has transpired in the last 20 years and maybe what's to come still in that, in that chapter for Moroni. So go read that story for sure, please. It's online, um, starting this morning at around 9 a.m. It'll be in the Sunday newspaper as well. A long one, but a good one. Chip always nails these and he, this is a subject matter that he is very familiar with. Um, just, just great storytelling though. Great. Just a great uh, a great way to kind of tell the story of life after football, and you know it's it's got some tragedy in it for sure, but it definitely has a redemption arc as well. So thanks to Chip for joining me, and thanks to Chip for that story. Let us finish with the cooler on a far lighter note. Uh, we've written a lot, almost exhausted everything about Josh Dobbs, Joshua Dobbs, uh, Vikings quarterback already, but he met with the media on Wednesday. He's, he hasn't started a game yet for him. You remember he came in Relief Sunday, NFC Player of the Week on offense in that relief effort, led them to the comeback win. Just came in five days earlier, four days earlier, and, uh, and did that. He is going to be the starter this week against New Orleans. He was in the, in the starter spot, talking to the media, talking to everybody, and a lot of serious questions, but I had to ask him about TikTok because that's what I do. He made a, a great TikTok video after the, after the win on Sunday, and I had to ask him about it. One, did he make it? And the answer was no. He usually does all of his own, but he had someone else do that one. And two, uh what about creed he included creed which has become kind of a a good luck charm for the vikings i think cousins started it a lot this year but um creed the band an unlikely rallying point for the vikings so here was josh dobbs after i asked him not only about the video itself but including creed in that
1: i didn't do that edit i usually i usually do my own thing i didn't do that edit but i did i did pick the song so i was like i did i did pick the creed we did have um, some creative touch for myself. So I had to. I definitely have to take credit for that part. Are you a
0: coming in or I, like, I am
1: now, you know. <laughs> I'm all I got to get it like a little uh, playlist. I was in the locker room before the game, and someone's like, turn on Creed. And obviously, it's a little different than the typical pregame locker room music, as you can imagine. So I had to get up to speed on, on it all. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking it and running with it.
0: I guess the only question to ask from here is can Josh Dobbs take the Vikings higher? It's a weird question to ask, I know, given what we know about his career, but uh, you never know with Vikings, backup quarterbacks, and the weird NFL. That will do it for me today. More Gopher football talk on Friday show with Randy Johnson. Gophers coming off that crushing loss to Illinois. Can they get back on track against Purdue? Randy and I will talk about that and more on Friday show. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Back at it again tomorrow.